Everybody, welcome back to the Wheelman Podcast. Here for our episode, I'm Matt. I'm here with Zach, as always. What's up? Again, you can find us on both Spotify and Apple under, of course, just the Wheelman Pod, and it's spelled just like it sounds. We are tackling another interesting week in NASCAR. We had another really great race, which was our first playoff race. We're recapping some of the news of the week as well, some big news for uh, future seasons. And we're also looking at a preview for Richmond. So just going right into it, Zach, uh, let's get some of this big news we have. Yeah, so the big news that dropped today was Bubba Wallace is out at Richard Petty Motorsports. It sounds like it's kind of a mutual split. Um, nobody really knows what offers he has available right now because Hendricks said, apparently Rick Hendricks said that they have their driver for okay. 2021. They have That's random Reddit rumor. And that would be just filling in for the 48 car, obviously. Yes. Yeah, and Ganassi rescinded their offer. Because he just didn't answer them. It's not like confirmed or denied that he has a new offer from them. But those are kind of his two landing spots. So it's just kind of weird that there there isn't like a yeah. It seems place. It seems logical that the reason that we brought the 48 and the 42 is because Bubba wants some like upgraded equipment. And Ganassi and Hendrick are both large upgrades in equipment where you could see like a potential winning car out of it. Uh, the main rumor for the 42 was because like, McDonald's is a com- uh, common sponsorship, and they do like, com- a complete 180 with the whole 42 cars like status. But I don't know, like you're saying, where else you go, unless maybe when he had that ownership stake and RPM offer on the table, this kind of gave him an idea to make his own team. Similarly, how Stuart Haas kind of merged, made his own team. Uh, maybe it'd be something like that with Bubba. Uh, again, he's to be the real domino. And I think once he falls, you'll see all the other rides clear up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much truth there is to Hendrick saying that they have the 48 filled for next year. I just saw that on a <laughs> reply to a tweet, right. but I like to believe things that sound cool. It's so, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it makes so much sense for the 42 and all the sponsorships that he's gained to in the last month and a half going with him. Um, it makes a lot of sense. That's another huge reason for the 48. We touched on that. The 48 has the Allies sponsorship for pretty much the whole season. I think it is all 36 races, which will still be on even without Jimmy Johnson driving. But the 88 cars had some struggles uh, since Nationwide left them. I think it was two years ago that you're seeing that like Chevy parts or other random like like manufacturer sponsors have backed Bowman, but they don't have a lot of that financial backing from other sponsors that Bubba could bring with him. Yeah, and uh, kind of transitioning about Jimmy Johnson, he signed a two-year contract with Chip Ganassi with, in uh, IndyCar. Okay. So he's going to run about 15 races next year, uh, all road and street courses, though. Okay. Like, none of, not like Pocono or – he'll probably run the Indy 500. I think but they even race, like, Texas and yeah, Vegas and stuff. Yeah, he's not doing any of those. He's only doing uh, the tracks that he's never raced before. But this is all hinging on, like, sponsorships right now. They still need a sponsor for Jimmy to run mm-hmm. with. It's crazy he's only had two sponsors his entire life. Yeah. In NASCAR. Lowe's and Ally. Yeah. I wonder if Ally would actually, like, kind of back him up, too, with uh, going over to the Chip Ganassi and the, uh, the uh, in the IndyCar, if they kind of sponsor both for a year or something. And then once the 48 ride uh, contract sp- uh, expires next year, they then solely sponsor Jimmy. I don't know if how that works, if it was a Hendrick deal, if it was going to be little to 48 and Jimmy Johnson. So it definitely is interesting to see, but I think Jimmy's one of those guys that can easily bring some sponsorships with him. Oh, yeah, very easily. Uh, and 
It's going to be weird, too, because this is the first time he's not with Hendrick. Ganassi runs Honda, so he's not going to be behind a Chevrolet. Mm-hmm. And he's he's going to be running straight road courses. Yeah. And it's oh. kind of weird for a guy who's struggled uh, the it, last couple of really years. It's a really cool thing, too, because usually we see the move from open wheel to the stock car with, like, Tony Stewart, Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, Sam Hornish Jr., and it's got mixed results. But now you're seeing the opposite, the 180 of it. I think Kurt tried the India 500 a couple of years ago. He's in the few guys that tried it out. I think he finished sixth or seventh. So like the talented drivers will prevail. Or James but, Davison ran oh, Indy 500. Did he? Yeah. Oh yeah. There, talented there, drivers there all we around. Go. But like it's just weird seeing the reverse now. Uh, again, the guys going to the complete opposite way and going to the open wheel side of it. Yeah, and he, I mean he's expressed interest in this before. He did a, a car swap with. Uh, Fernando Alonso in Formula One, okay, where they ran uh, laps in each other's cars in uh, in somewhere in Bahrain. I don't know if that's in China or Southeast Asia somewhere. Um, so he's he's shown interest in this before, and now we're just making it official. It's going to be cool. It might make me watch an IndyCar race. Didn't someone switch with Lewis Hamilton? Was it like Jeff Gore and Tony Stewart? Like this, like ten years ago. I mean, it rings a bell. Yeah, I'm pretty sure someone switched with Lewis Hamilton. The same concept of like, hey, test my car, I'll test your car. Like fucking around a little bit, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's – I can't even imagine. There's just such different cars. Uh, like, taking taking a NASCAR around a Formula One track has got to be like driving, a like, a bus. Yeah. Speaking, actually, of Tony Stewart, he's – Jimmy and Jimmy Johnson, Tony Stewart's making that new, uh, like, Stars Racing League yeah, coming out next year. I've and it's this. basically the remake of the IROC series, which was – I love that series. You'd have – everyone had the same exact prototype car – and then you'd have all the most talented drivers racing it. And it's a cool concept because you see a lot of guys, maybe like Jimmy Johnson, who you can still see on Sundays or Saturday nights is still a talented driver, but he's not out there competing for wins like he'd want to. He's kind of forced out of NASCAR. He, it gives an opportunity to still race in his 40s. I believe they signed on Bobby Labani as well. They signed on uh, Tony Kanaan, another former uh, IndyCar driver. So Jimmy was one of those targets. So I wonder if he's actually going to do like a mixed year next year of IndyCar and then the Tony Stewart League. Ray, well, Ever- so, oh, oh, Ray Everham also was a co-creator with the Tony Stewart. So the thing with Ganassi is they've left the door open for him to run Cup Series next year. Like a part-time So kind of like how like uh, – because they only field two cars. So they yeah. would have to do what they did with McMurray at the 500 last year or two years yeah, it was, ago. it was this year. It was this year, yeah. so yeah, he just all he did was run the forty car mm-hmm. for a race. Um, I that's kind of what it would be, but it sounds like he's gonna gear more towards Indy, which yeah. I'm sure is gonna be very refreshing after driving a stock car for twenty years. Yeah, it'd definitely be cool too seeing uh, Jimmy Johnson spot start, and we think is a chance, then he finishes like fifteenth. You're like, ah, well, same old. Jimmy. Yeah, it's like Jeff Gordon, <laughs> like when he would spot when he came in for Dale uh, after Dale got a concussion. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's gonna be probably very similar to those results. Now, another cool transition here. How about uh, Jimmy Johnson, California boy? we got some big news out of the Auto Club Speedway uh, coming for the future of 2022, I believe, is the first time yeah. they do it. So they're turning this two-mile track into a half-a-mile track. and it's So it's kind of a combination of Martinsville with the long straights, mm-hmm. but then they're going to have banking on the turns like Bristol. So it's going to be very unique. I think they're keeping the um, – Based on like the layout, it looks like they're keeping the original front stretch because it looks like the front stretch has a bit of a curve to it. Yeah, which is very unique for a short track like that. Yeah, um, I think Richmond, the, the, Richmond's the only one I can think of that has a little bit of bend as being a short track. Yeah, that's yeah, that's about as close. But it's even it's longer. Yeah. So 
I mean, the layout looks pretty cool. California is basically just like Michigan. It's kind of a dud every single year. I actually love the Auto Club because, it, unlike Michigan, you had six grooves, or really, I guess, four grooves, but like you could go six wide if you wanted to, and it, it hadn't repaved in a while, so there was, like, the tires would fall off, and it's made a lot more interesting racing compared to Michigan, but you're correct when it is like a, a sister track that's based off of Michigan's layout. I just thought Auto Club always offered a lot better racing compared it to has, Michigan. It definitely has more uh, personality. Yes, as a track yes like going down the back stretch on the uh like the onboards you can see the drivers just like bouncing yeah. in their seats like it looks <laughs> it looks very aggressive but yeah i mean i'm not mad at this like how often do you really see like we get like the roval and stuff like that where a track creates another track within itself but we haven't seen a track just completely redesign itself mm-hmm. um you know in a long time and there was rumors too, but like NASCAR is trying to shift where they kind of got to the cookie cutter mile and a half tracks, and kind of led to a lot of boring racing, which led then to our rules package that we're not very fond of. But mm. they wanted to close the racing up. The fans have spoken; they want more short tracks. They want a little more like old school bump and run kind of thing. And I thought it was interesting. They're excitement, gonna, they're, yeah, they're gonna excitement cha- is what they want. That they're going to change Auto Club, which I still thought offered some different racing you're not used to seeing every week. And then they're going to skip over things like Gateway or Iowa. Uh, I guess Nashville's probably going to be in the schedule pretty soon, but it's another track they could have done. They even could have maybe brought back like Rockingham. But it's interesting they're deciding to keep or change that big track, two-mile track in, in California, and make that into a short track. I think it has a lot, of do with, a lot to do with the finances of it. They struggle getting fans and – you have a two mile track. That's a lot of land that you got to pay for. So I think, yeah. I think shortening the track, it, uh, it, I think the finances was a lot of it. I saw it too. They're like, you're saying there's really nothing. There was nothing wrong with the race. It was just, it's like Michigan where you, you kind of get spread out in this rules package. Is you like, you can't pass. It turns it into a super speedway and you just can't pass anybody. Like you were saying with, uh, like compared to Michigan, Michigan actually lowered its seating capacity like over fifty percent. Yeah, I think they gave some grandstands to Watkins Glen. Yeah, in uh, turn, I think it's turn four grandstands. And then you're seeing now, I read too talking about the how big the track was. They're going to actually redevelop that area with like with the at Auto Club, and they're going to use that as like real estate for whatever shopping hotels. Yeah, they want to turn it into a huge what the District of Detroit uh, should have been. Yeah, just a bunch of what you see with. Uh, a bunch, like Dover's another example. Have like the hotel casino right next door. They're just kind of using this, this or the track as a catalyst and build things around that. And then the two mile track that takes a lot of, like I'm saying, a lot of space up. So the last thing uh, before we get into the actual race recap is the uh, the penalty recap. Oh yeah, this is we had, extensive. <laughs> we had several um, before the race. Ryan Blaney got popped for an improper ballast. Uh, that's a automatic suspension for the crew chief and docked ten points, uh, playoff points. For those curious, that's just, I guess, I didn't know what it was until they explained it on the pre-race show, but it's like a five-pound bag they use to simulate, like, weight in the car for testing, and they forgot it was in there. So, is that the same thing that fell out of Denny's car? No, that was, like, the tungsten. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. was, like, the thing is actually weight you leave in the car, and they just, it was loose yeah, for some reason. Yeah, they just screwed in. Yeah, that was the Charlotte, one of the Charlotte races that happened. <laughs> it's like an Ikea dresser set when they forget to give you screws. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> We'll just leave this it's one optional. loose. We'll just leave this one loose. Uh, so then that kind of put the 12 in a big hole already because he had to start from the back. And see, more importantly, you're saying the first race, he only has that one win and losing 10 points. But again, 
just behind the eight ball. Yeah. And he'd, he'd throw on top of it, too. Darlington's not a strong track, and nor was Richmond for him. So he's got a lot of work out cut, for, uh, cut out for him for the rest of the uh, playoffs. Yeah, luckily he does have Bristol to close out uh, the he'll, he'll, first round. He'll probably win stage one and crash somehow. Cause that's oh, yeah, he'll run happen. into the back of, like, a yeah. car 15 he'll, laps he'll, down. He'll figure out where Ty Dillon's at again. Yep. That'll be fun. No, I'll, I'll probably bet on him still. You will? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Um, and uh, so Travis Geister, I think that's how you say his name, filled in as crew chief for that race for uh, the 12. Um, and th- so this is all post-race now. Kyle Busch, uh, too many loose lugs. So that's a uh, – I believe it's three. If you have more than three, it's, it's uh, automatic three. suspension. It's two or three for sure. Uh, th- yeah. Uh, so Adam Stevens got fined twenty grand. Just jump change. Um, and now, now when you're not winning races. That's true. <laughs> um, and he gets suspended for a race, and Jacob Cantor is filling in uh, this weekend at Richmond for the 18. And then same thing with Boyer, too many loose lugs, uh, automatic suspension, 20 grand fine, and Greg Zipidelli stepping oh, back into the box. I'd love to see that. I always loved Zipidelli when he was uh, a crew chief of Stewart for a while. I think – I don't know if he went to someone else when Stewart – was he with Logano too? Or did he he go, definitely did go somewhere else. Or did else. he go with Stewart? I don't remember when, if he followed Stewart to Stewart Haas or if he stayed at the 20 with Logano. But either way, I love when Zip Dye was in the old uh, pit box. Oh, yeah, and he'll be back this week. I'm sure Boyer will have a uh, a great race plan <laughs> until he gets mired in traffic and finishes <laughs> think, 14th. Then cries about it. Yeah. Then makes a joke about it, but we love Boyer. Yep, big Boyer podcast. So. Uh Switching over to the recap here of Darlington, which is sneakily one of the longest races of the year. Like, you don't realize how much that race adds up 500 uh, miles at a track that has a very significant tire fall off. It Mm -hmm. just seems like it goes on forever. Yeah, a lot of cautions. Um, And with the stages, you don't get as many long green flag uh, runs in, but you still can get about 60 60 laps. Um, And then that's really where you really see the tire fall off. Yeah. Uh, two interesting things with this race as well is with the tire fall off, you actually lose about two seconds a lap compared to someone with, like fresh tires, which to me that's an insane amount to have. And the other big thing is this is one of the few races in the schedule that's clearly in the daytime, and then we'll can just switch to night, so you could have a completely different track with uh, just temperature, or even see the drivers that tear off, say to rip off during the race because the glare was so bad. So it's just one of those things that adds an extra aspect into the strategy of the race. Darlington just looks so much different during the day. Yeah, I Like, agree. going from day yeah. to night, it looks like a completely different track. Especially, like, I noticed this more so this race than the early Darlington races this year. But a lot of guys were using the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And so during the day, like, oh, this can't be Darlington. People are running the bottom. But then, like, it kept happening during the race. And it was, I just, like, made a mental note of, like, you don't see that. This is a one-lane track. Pretty much, yeah. You, you you see the like, the speeds usually around the fence, but then the issue is you get the Darlington stripe getting too close to the fence. Uh, I didn't really see anyone too, too bad. There's only one guy that we'll touch on in a second about that really got in the wall really bad, mm-hmm. like by themselves. But you're, I agree with you. It seemed like a pretty tame race, and it's even weirder that it's the third time that they've raced Darlington this season because of just the post-quarantine schedule. Yeah. Uh, just starting off with now – uh, Chase Sar on the outside pole. He ended up leading all the laps. The competition caution lap 25. Hendrick as a whole looked really, really strong because they had all four cars actually in the top seven from majority of the first stage. Uh, BK was running eighth, and he was the first guy to really have some issues. As you could see him just 
all over the track, sideways in the turns. He ended up falling down to like 18th at some point before that first run of green flag pit stops. And uh, when those pit stops actually happened, Kurt made a very good decision, and he was the last one to like stay out. And you know that that two seconds lap thing, he just didn't care. Hope he would catch a caution, and luckily for him, he did. Mm-hmm. And with that caution, it was Brad Keselowski, as he was side by side with El Marola, and it looked like that maybe there was contact, and then it wore down the right front of Keselowski, and he just went straight into the wall. And it, I thought he was done for a race, but the team did a pretty good job. And they said there's no real structural damage to the car, especially with, like, the uh, the, the axles and the fenders. So they, they kind of hammered out, taped it up, and he went back on the track and still salvaged a pretty good day for, like, for the position he was in. Yeah, I mean, even if you didn't see the wreck and you saw Kozlowski's car later in the race, you'd be like, damn, that dude smacked the wall. Yeah. Like, his car was messed up. It, he rode on a full lap, too. Instead of bringing it down right away, he actually drove around checking to make sure, like, hey, I can turn, I, can, I can't I can do this, I can do this. And he said, like, I think I should be good the rest of the way. And like I guess Veteran said, move. Yeah, it paid out for him. Savvy. Uh, so everyone decided to pit after that BK caution, except for Kurt and Bubba. Now, Kurt, as we mentioned, was the last person to not pit, or I'm sorry, the last person to pit, and he only had seven laps on his tires, which still was a big change versus the guys on fresh tires, but he was able to hold on and finish fifth place in the stage. Bubba, I didn't see where he was before, but he still finished 25th, but stayed in the lead lap, so you could argue that if he was really struggling, that staying lead lap was worth that track position. Uh, the 19, it was another key thing in that caution, was 19 beat the 9 off pit road, ended up leading the rest of the laps and winning stage one. Yeah, Truex looked really, really good at the end of stage one. Just kind of drove away from everybody. Yeah, he, he especially with having, like, Kirk kind of fought guys in second, third, fourth-ish range, you saw 19 just really gap the field. Yeah, it kind of set up for the uh, the rest of the race, too. Everybody knew that they were racing the 19. Agreed. <laughs> like, it wasn't even a question. Uh, stage two, the very beginning was interesting because Jimmy actually went from, so we have this caution here, Jimmy went up from second, or went all the way up to second, but then at the end of stage two, he lost six spots on pit road. And then on top of that, it's really eight spots because again, guys stayed out. So that really like put him back in the field and he kind of recovered, but he never was that like top three car that we saw early in that stage or late in that stage one, early in stage two. And another crazy thing was the 12 had a problem where it looked like afterwards they said they made a change that didn't work or something or other in the pit stop uh, at the end of the stage, and he ended up in a flat tire, and he had to pit when they were going green, lost a lap, lost all of his track position, fell back to, like, 31st or 32nd. It was kind of just like an omen for how Blaney's weekend was going at Darlington. Yeah, that was one of those things you just really, really hated to see. Another like, big, Especially because oh, he doesn't run well there very yeah. often. So, like, seeing him run well, and then he just has an issue – where, like, I, I don't understand how you can, like, over-correct a car to the point where you, like, start flat-spotting the tires. I think it may have been, like, the tire pressures were too low or something like that, that it just never caught, and then when he drove around, he knew it was flat. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's a team issue, though. And like, you can't even fall Blaney on it. That's the thing where you say if Todd Gordon was there, it wouldn't happen. So that's just, like, the domino effect of the, the horrible day for him. With... Uh, 42 laps in that second stage when you first saw some kind of crazy strategy was Harvick was the first one to pit and he was the first one to pit by about 15 laps 
and it really reminded me of the old school road courses before you had stages that naturally broke it up where drivers would choose to do a two-stop race or a three-stop race. So you know you're going to lose a lot of time going on pit road, going on pit road, doing the pit stop, but you know the fresh tires, you might be able to make up from it. So I thought it was really interesting Harvick doing that, and it really reminded me of that. And he went from ninth, 10th-ish before, and he ended up coming out once everything cycled through to first place by eight and a half seconds over Truex. Yeah, I mean, and Harvick uh, pitting early is a theme in this race. Yes. Yes. And then also a theme is him catching cautions. So, oh, yeah, this dude caught every caution. Ten laps after everybody pit, when Harvick was still in first place, we have Bubba Wall spin out, and it looked like a transmission issue or something. His car like got a gear, had some uh, tire spin, spun around, caused a caution. Everyone brings it down, puts on four tires, but then Harvick maintains that track position, which looked like he really just needed that clean air. Uh, another big break from that spin was BK actually was going to pit that lap. He was staying up the whole time because he was down to, like, all the way down. I think it was, like, 34th place after he hit the wall one lap down. He stayed out, was just trying to catch a caution, catch the caution, and then he's back in the lead lap, and that really, again, helped salvage his day. Uh, ultimately, stage two turned to, again, Truex getting the lead, and he was able to hold off the 11 off pit road. Yeah, repeat. I mean, at this point, Truex looks so strong, and there's really no – there's really no clear number two right now because Harvick, yeah, he's up near the front, but he's catching cautions, and you can tell he's not running well. Like, he might be running top five, but he definitely does not have a winning car by any means. I don't know if anyone really likes their car at this point except for Truex. We see Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Chase, uh, Byron, Bowman. The other guy's kind of flirting in that area, but even Kurt. But all of them seem to have, like, they're hot and cold. Like one run, they're really good, or they're really good in the short run, not good the long run. However you want to phrase it, they really didn't have a complete car like Truex did. The nine really had an issue when he hit the wall. Yeah, and he it took a while for him to really get that car back to where it needed to be. But he was because he led the first or he led what eighty something laps in the first stage. Yeah, he, yeah, it was something up there where he was like a car to contend with Truex, and things got a little more dicey again here with eighty four to go. This is when we see, again, two more guys short pit, and it was Austin Dillon and Jimmy Johnson, and it turned out to be a pretty big move. Uh, Dillon definitely capitalized on it. Then four laps later, Chase brought it down, and this is where he said he loved his car at that moment more than he did when he was leading the race, when he led those laps he was speaking of. So it was like, okay, we may have a contender for Truex. Which is good. Yes. Because it looked like it was going to be Truex and then a distant second place. With 15 laps or 15 laps later, that's when Truex pit, and that was being his last round of pit stops with the rest of the leaders. The 11 tried to pit as well, but he couldn't get to the bottom because Johnson was under him. Well, and, he slammed on the brakes. And in a typical Hamlin fashion at Darlington, which circa three years ago, he misses pit road, and then he goes back on the track and has to come back around again. But you lose so much time badly in the race, 60 to go, it's almost impossible to come back from that. Yeah, when you're going like 30 miles an hour in the front stretch – <laughs> you're probably going to lose a little bit of time. So because Harvick, again, pit early, he was still managed the lead. And then the 19, or I'm sorry, the nine was cruising and the 19 was up to fourth. Like the nine was actually past him with 48 laps to go. And the very next lap, we have a, a debris, another caution. Everyone brings it down. So your summary would be the top five with 41 to go is Elliot Harvick, Jones, Truex, Austin, Dillon, your top five. 
And it looks like, again, the Truex versus Elliott show the rest away. The they're the top two cars by far. They separate about four-second gap between third place. With 15 to go, Truex tried to just send it in the corner. Thought he was clear like a slide job. He was not clear. Nope. Put them both in the fence. They both ran a couple laps. Both knew they had a heavy damage. Truex was forced to bring it down. He ended up finishing like 19th or something like that. Elliott stayed out the whole time. He finished around there too, but you can see he was way slower, but it allowed Harvick to take the lead. Austin Dillon gave him a shot at the end. Dude, Austin he, Dillon was flying around turn four. He fucking sent that car that last <laughs> he turn. He was flying. Uh, it wasn't enough to get the win, but it was definitely a wild race. A valiant effort. And I think you do had the final top ten in the race, but again, it was it was weird seeing reminiscent of earlier this year of like a Bristol when Elliott and Logano crashed each other. Or uh, at the end of Darlington the early in the year when Kyle Busch and Elliott got into each other. So it's reminiscent of those races where you have the, the really fast cars, your leaders, and then there's an issue late in the race, and they don't finish as like the leaders that they were the whole day. Yeah, and uh, RIP to all FanDuel lineups that had Truex and Chase, because you probably could have had both of them in yeah. your lineup. That's tough. That's tough, Rick. That's really Something tough. Something you hate to see right <laughs> it there. It really is. And if you had Denny, too, after that uh, yeah. uh, missing pit road. It was kind of like a like a gut punch, and then if you had like Chaser Truex, it was just just over I, for I you. I think Denny Mayne was like eleventh place, but you could tell when he missed pit road, he was just like, "All right, I'm done, I'm over this." Oh yeah, he checked out. I'm going home. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I, I have five wins or oh, six wins, whatever it is. Seven, I think. He's seven, I think. Yeah, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's winner bust at this point. So the top ten ended up being Kevin Harvick first, Austin Dillon second, Joey Logano third. Great day out of Joey after getting his fucking bumper taken off oh, earlier in the race. Yeah, just to clarify that too real, real quick, that's one thing I didn't mention. Off one of the restarts, there was a little bit of stack up in stage three where LaJoy just drilled uh, Logano. And like LaJoy was done. He had like a radiator issue. But Logano had a whole left, like you can see like the <laughs> where the car went under him. His whole left rear was just absolutely shifted. But it didn't cause any issues for his speed or aerodynamics. So he was good to go and finish. We said third. Third, yeah. Um... Eric Jones, fourth. He actually was the highest finisher of all non-playoff drivers uh, in fourth. He's and, only in the top and the ten, highest, actually. the highest Gibbs guy, too. Yeah. Shout out uh, fucking Truex, dude. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, William Byron, fifth. Alex Bowman, sixth. Kyle Busch, seventh. Kurt Busch, eighth. Almirola, ninth. And Clint Boyer, tenth. So I guess our next thing would be just hop into our segments based off this race, and we'll lead it off with the move of the day. My move of the day was just Harvick short pitting twice, and both times it worked out for him lucking into cautions. But sometimes it's, again, the joke is he'd rather be lucky than good. So he was a solid car, but he needed something to happen, and he was able to catch a break there and come home with a win. Yeah, that was a great move. My move of the day uh-huh. is J.J. Yaley in the yes. Nerf car. great car. He started 37th mm-hmm. and worked his way all the way up to 30th. Th- that's a great great day. Great job, J.J., great car. I believe he was my second pick in our paint scheme draft for Darlington. Well-deserved, um, really. A well-deserved 30th place. My other move of the day, because I actually, too, I don't know if I'm going to see one from here, but I thought BK just in general, again, another guy staying out, but him salvaging, going from like 32nd one lap down, and he ended up finishing right by Hamlin. I think it was like the 11th, 12th this range. That's a hell of a day, especially for somebody in the playoffs where every point counts. That's a 20-point swing where it gives you a race now down the line where you go, oh, if I screw up at Richmond or Bristol, I'm not like 
fighting the bubble, I have a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, so, like, how Blaney's kind of screwed now because of the playoff point loss, that's what, like, BK and guys with, like, like Truex have to look at uh, down the road. Like, if they don't put up points now, they're going to be in trouble in round two or three um, when you got guys like Harvick and Hamlin with multiple wins and other guys, like, couple guys steal a couple wins you're going to be in trouble for points so even right now you still have to put up top tens to get stage yeah it's even it's even tougher going off that especially for the championship how hamlin and harvick have been winning so much stages and races we say every week you get every stage in one point that carries over to each round and then five points for every win they're stockpiling them so much it gets to the point they're a shoe in just being the top four because of those playoff points that carry over do you have anyone else i get i had the harvick and bk i don't know if you ever noticed that no i i just really wanted to emphasize how good jj yaley's car looked <laughs> it was a fantastic car uh moving on here uh there are some of our actually personal favorite segments did kyle bush win no mm-hmm. did jimmy johnson crash technically no but he did make contact with denny so we'll, we'll uh, conditional yes okay because we don't get many yeses in okay. these segments but I still like that. It's, it still is something, and we get a lot of no's in these segments, and I'm actually kind of happy when they are no's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the yeses make it more interesting. I don't think we're going to get a did a KY win yes uh, this year, but it would be electric if he did because that would be the first yes of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next favorite category is why'd you stay out? You know, certain guys where they maybe not, they don't pit for some reason, or then they'll they'll just put themselves in a situation where the whole field gets stacked up behind them. Uh, I will let, let you lead off here. Who do you got? Yeah, so I had uh, Bubba Wallace. Um, Same. Yeah. <laughs> he stayed out uh, lap 82, and uh, he finished 25th in the stage. I believe there was like 30 laps to go yeah, uh, when they right, restarted. Right about that. Right around 30. Um, Kurt. Like you said, he had fresher tires than Bubba did, but I mean, the drop to twenty fifth. The only thing I said, front I, row. I don't remember where he was in before he stayed out. So maybe he was like in danger of going a lap down uh, if he didn't stay out. So staying out may have been a good move in the long run for him. But I mean, he could have got fresh tires, and he probably could have. Um, he could have kept his lap anyway. So I guess in the end, it really doesn't matter. But when you are starting on really old tires and you're at the front at Darlington, you're you're probably going to cause some yeah, bullshit. Some havoc. Yeah. Uh, my next, I guess my pick for why I just say was going to be Denny Hamlin. <laughs> <laughs> and I know why, why he stayed out, but it's just funny anytime Denny has a pit road issue, whether it's missing pit it's road been a while or since speeding he's had penalties. One. Yeah, but it's it's just funny seeing guys miss pit road. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often like that. Like Blayton. Yeah, like and Jimmy helped him out too. You you didn't you didn't see him like lock up the tires or anything like that. You just go, Oh, he, he ain't making that. Oh, right? there's, there's <laughs> yeah, no way he's making that. <laughs> exactly. Uh for just park it, I'm going back to Denny Hamlin. I thought once you miss that with 70 to go when you're in the lead, that's you're just like, all right, who cares the pit stops? Put me in the garage. Give me the hard left. I'm done with this race. <laughs> yeah, and at that stage of the race, it was so late. Like, there's no way he can make up the track position that he lost. He doesn't need the points. Give him to somebody else. We just said he's got a shit ton of wins. He's fine. <laughs> Did you have anybody else for just park it? Or are you on the same Hamlin boat now I'm on? Uh, yeah, that, that was it. 
Next uh, category is track changing. That's just because it's a rare race. We kind of talked about that as a transition from day to night. But that's where you'll see maybe long runs or someone who's good early is not good late and vice versa. Mine was a roller coaster of Chase Elliott. How he went from leading the laps, looked like a definite contender. Then he got in the wall and faded back to like that 7th, 8th-ish. And then fast forward another 100 laps and he's again a top two car again. Yeah, I mean, it's you really wish that he didn't make contact because I think him and Truex would have probably been battling for the entire race. Mm-hmm. It would have been Truex like four seconds ahead of everybody. My track changing was Harvick, and it didn't really have anything to do with him. It had to do with the leaders taking each other out. I don't know if the track necessarily changed, but the situation changed on the track. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that allowed Harvick to uh, barely beat Austin Dillon. I also threw a shout-out because I was very high on him going uh, going into this race, and then he didn't look too, too bad. wasn't as fast as I thought he was going to be, but Tyler Reddick was running around 10th to 12th for half the race, and then I don't know what the hell happened. No one said he got in the wall. No one said he has damage. No one, like, nothing, there was no news on it. And the guy finished, like, 24th one lap down. I just don't know when that happened. Yeah, I, I don't really know what happened to him either because he had a cool-looking car, Yeah. Um. so I – wanted to like see it and he was never on tv they didn't even mention like what happened to him so i don't know if he just had a bad day or they just didn't care it must have been a bad day because i said he wasn't running fantastic but 10th to 12th was still decent and he just like fell off the face of the earth after that yeah it was really weird to see uh best car i think we're both on the same page here it's me martin truex jr yeah you can make the argument for chase um but it was 100 percent for truex. second best car yeah why we say Truex, led the most laps. He had the most fastest laps. He was the fastest in the short run. He was fourth in the long run. Fastest green flag speed. Pretty much you dominate all those categories, you're going to be the guy that's <laughs> the beat. Yeah. Yeah, no disagreement there. Uh, I'll let you start here for overachiever of the day. So my overachiever is Harvick. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. I like just, that. Just because he had absolutely no business winning that race. That's fair. He was a third-place car at best. And he just he lucked into the win, and it's weird not seeing Harvick have like a winning car a few races a year. You're like, wow, Harvick's just he, like it's so weird because Harvick has a bad race and he finishes like fourth. Yeah, like that's how highly we think of the guy. Like, oh, this guy is terrible and he's running like fourth place. <laughs> um, my other overachiever is uh, just because he's not in the playoff, Eric Jones. Yep. Um, I like seeing guys like just not get out of the way for playoff drivers. Um, and he's really good at Darlington, too. He was one of our pre-race sleepers, so it's good to see us not selling idiots. And another pre-race sleeper to be my overachiever was your pick of Austin Dillon. Great pick there. That was a great run by Austin Dillon. I was so proud of him. I think it's funny we mentioned that he might win you some FanDuel lineups, but he won't win you any, like, he won't win the race. And he almost won the race. <laughs> yeah, well, we were correct. He's not going to win you the race. But we were almost, it was almost thrown right in our face the next race that we watched he just yeah i just love that last two laps where you can see it's like a six seventh tenth lead for harvick and dylan's just like not so fast my friend oh he, he didn't sends it in the corner he didn't hit the brakes through three and four uh my overachiever was william byron he finished fifth and i just felt like he was always running in that top like seven the whole race and it was like a sneaky top seven never was in the top three but he always kind of sat there and for someone who has getting that only that one win in the playoffs that's a huge point stay especially when other guys struggle yeah i mean a lot of the um a lot of the hendrick guys ran well today i think bowman finished right behind him i mean chase was running second jimmy was he, he was have, fast at yeah some point. he was but he i think he finished right around like 15 16 something like that 
Um, Hendricks showed great speed, though, which it, is good for them going into the playoffs. Just a note on Bowman. He actually, yeah, you're right, finished sixth place, and he actually, in the, the loop data, had the third best driver rating and the third best green flag speed. So he was a guy just like Byron that seemed to be running that top five, top six all day long. Yeah, it's like any track between uh, – well, I think Darlington's a little bit over two miles, but it seems like any like a mile and a half to like two miles, Alex Bowman is a machine at. Yeah, yeah, definitely his wheelhouse. For underachiever, I'm gonna go right into Ryan Blaney. We already talk, touched on the the ballast in- issue that got Todd Gordon suspended, so they moved it back. He kind of worked his way back into like 15th, nothing too crazy, but a salvageable day. And then he has the beginning of stage two of the issue, which throws him in the back, and then he finished 24th or 20, 24th. And it's, I don't know. That's a day you can't have, especially in the playoffs. Hopefully they get out of their system now and it doesn't hurt them in the long run. They can still move on to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I also had Ryan Blaney. Um, I And I get him having a problem, but you at least want to see, like, BK had a huge problem. He slammed into the wall, and he still worked his way back up. Logano yeah. also had a huge problem. Yeah. Finished third. It's weird to not see Blaney, like, not really – well, he did have damage to his car, but it's just weird to not see him, like, be able to work his way back up. All three Penske's had some issues going on. It was yeah, a wild day for him. <laughs> then the only guy for underachiever touched on him as well already, but Jimmy Johnson, I just thought that he was running top three for, like, the first third of the race. He had the ninth best green flag speed, and I thought he looked pretty good. And then he finishes 18th, and it's a day where points don't really matter for him. But I just thought 18th didn't represent the day he had, and to me that's like an underwhelming result. If he was eighth, I thought maybe that's like a nice finish. But 18th, like dude, just maybe he should have been just park it, guy. <laughs> yeah, I think he would have been a prime candidate <laughs> for it. Uh, I guess I don't know if you learned notes on Darlington. I really did enjoy it. It was not as long as last year's. Thanks to God, there's no rain delays and lightning delays again. But it was definitely a marathon. It was. Uh- it was electric, though, to stay up until 3 a.m. to see uh, E. Jones win a race, though. Huge win for the squad for you. Yep. Huge win. Huge win. Morale was the highest it's ever been. So, moving forward to this weekend, we have another night race. Uh, we actually have three more spoiled. in a row. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Especially with football season rolling on the corner. It's great having these Saturday night races to fill up uh, less competition on Sundays. Especially with no college football. It's yes. A fat L. Uh, so we're going to Richmond, and they're supposed to race it twice a year, but because of just the schedule rework this season, they're only racing it once, and is this playoff race. This is going to be the second playoff race uh, of this round. Our last one will be Bristol uh, next Saturday, and really the guy that's in trouble now is Blaney, but looking at it, you do have the playoff bubble for us, correct? Yeah, so the uh... – Basically, after Bristol, the bottom four that would be eliminated right now is Boyer, Custer, Blaney, and DiMedetto. Boyer is actually zero points, but he's basically tied with Almirola. I'm sure the um, playoff think, points offset that. I think the tiebreaker is, like you said, playoff points or maybe it's highest finishes. I don't know. I actually, no, I think it's wins. And then they both are winless. Then it goes to like. Okay, playoff points, and then it goes to who has the highest finish that round. I think yeah, the I'm assuming in this instance it would be playoff points because Amarola does have like a few stage wins yeah. and stuff like that. Um, Custer's three behind the cut line. Blaney and DiBenedetto are 17 points behind the cut line. Uh, the first four in are Amarola's in 12th. Kurt Busch is in fourth, uh, four points ahead of the cut line. Kyle Busch is seven points ahead of the cut line in 10th and William Byron is nine points out of the cut line in ninth, but Byron does have that win. 
So he does. Uh, he has more playoff points than tenth, eleventh. So and 12th. he'd hold that tiebreaker then. Yeah. So basically, what this sets up as, if someone has an issue like Blaney, you're going to find yourself right in that, you know, the bottom of that cut line. A lot of pressure for Bristol. No one wants to have that. Yeah, and, you don't. You don't want to have a must-win situation going into Bristol. Looking at Richmond, they're actually using the same tire compound they used at Phoenix and at New Hampshire earlier in this year. Uh, they kind of race similar. It's why Goodyear uses the same compounds. You're going to have, I believe it's a like a three-quarters of a mile track at Richmond. You're going to have like a heavy braking each turn. Then it's like a slow, rotating, flat corner. And then again, heavy on the gas on the straightaways. Just looking at some of the the Vegas favorites, all the odds are based on the FanDuel Sportsbook. There's a three-way tie this week for the favorite. Uh, I personally think Chuex should be the favorite. He's one of the guys that's tied, mm-hmm. so I'll lead with him. I think he should be the favorite because he's won the last two Richmond races. He's led over 100 laps in six of the last seven races. Going into Darlington last week, he had eight straight top fours of the season, and he should have been nine. He should have won the race. So he's absolutely on fire. He's great at Richmond. I think he should be the favorite. But the other two guys, of course, are Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick for, I mean, like we said, all year they're the best guys. Yeah. Uh, the only thing going against Harvick right now is he's in the Hunt Brothers pizza car. Oh, and that's he, a bad he point. doesn't win in the Hunt Brothers pizza car. He almost stole one of Kentucky in it, but uh, you know, like, watch out for those drains and then the Cole Custer outside. Maybe. Yeah, they, those drains really come out of nowhere <laughs> in those racetracks. Uh, looking at Harvick at Richmond, he's got a top five in seven or less eight races. Shocker. You know, it's Kevin Harvick in a top five. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't won since 2013. He doesn't lead a lot of laps. That's why it kind of scares me. So I think there's more value in a Truex. Uh, but again, Harvick has finished top five in 12 of the last 14 races this season. You can't doubt the man. He just churns out great finishes. Moving forward to Hamlin, it's one of his, quote, hometown tracks, being from Virginia. Uh, he yeah, is, they, they, Virginians just kind of claim that entire area as a hometown. Yeah, he's yeah. he's the Martinsville, and he has the Richmond. Similar to how Truex considers the whole like New England area, yeah, New York. He's the area. only one. He's the yeah, only one. He claims there. the whole area for him. So then, looking at Hamlin, he doesn't again lead a lot of laps. He only has six laps led his last five races there. It's very similar to Harvick. He's got a top six finish in eight of the last nine Richmond races. But again, it's one of those guys where. He might run really well, but I don't know if I see the contending speed, but I don't want to hate on because week in and week out, you see those are the guys contending for wins in 2020. Yeah. Um, and just touching on Harvick for like the FanDuel perspective, I don't really see a lot of value with Harvick. He's starting first and he's 14,000. Basically, he's going to need to lead a lot of laps and finish in first place for it to even be worth taking him. So that's kind of a guy that I would... Maybe try to avoid, depending on who else you want in your lineup. So one guy I would consider looking into would be Joey Logano. He is a 8-1 to one odds, but he is definitely one of them strong contenders at Richmond. Top four and four last six Richmond races. He consistently runs fast laps. He consistently leads laps. He's under the radar this season. He's finished in the top 10 in basically 10 straight races. The only two exceptions were Daytona and Kansas, where he didn't. Uh, finish in the top 10 because he ended up crashing or an issue but both those races he led over 25 laps and then looking at that same tire compound races he won at phoenix and he finished fourth at new hampshire so it's against another guy to really could be that strong contender to, sh- to shake off one of the uh favorites of the race yeah um and i forgot to bring this up with uh martin Truex jr but martin Truex jr is an auto pick in your fando lineups he's starting 14th 
and he's thirteen thousand dollars as an auto pick. Yeah, you just gotta put him in. Um, Logano, I, I don't, I really don't. I would kind of avoid Logano as well. Um, he's starting second, and I mean he hasn't won a race and since the Corona break. Um, he hasn't run well at all. That's another guy that I would kind of avoid. Who's kind of expensive. Um, I, he runs well here. Um, maybe like a good group bet guy. Um, but FanDuel, I would avoid him. Uh, moving on to me, Logano's Penske teammate at nine to one, Brad Keselowski, uh, top 11 and nine straight Richmond races consistently up front, consistently leads laps, just like Logano does. Uh, you look back at the, those two other races I spoke of at Phoenix, he finished 11th, but he led 82 laps. Then, of course, New Hampshire, he almost ran a perfect race, led 184 laps, easy win for him. So he's another guy that I really like, especially for a value pick that could shake up the favorites, would be those two Penske guys with Truex over the normal Harvick Hamlins. Yeah, I like I like Brad Kozlowski a lot this week, especially just showing the resilience that he showed last Ooh, week at Darlington. That's, that's a great word. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I got to work it in. Um, I feel like he's due. Oh, for win number four of the season. Yeah, he's okay. officially due. I like it. Uh, next, I put Kyle Busch in just because he has a track record here. This season had, definitely has been different. He hasn't shown that elite speed. We talk about every race, basically. When's he going to snap out of it? He normally would be the favorite here. He's got a top 10 and 5 straight, including two wins. So before Truex won the last two, Kyle Busch won the previous two. And he's led over 90 laps in three straight. So it's pretty much the Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. show at Richmond. I just, again, we, did, we don't see that speed. And the, the, the two similar tracks finished third at Phoenix, and he crashed at New Hampshire very early on. So we didn't get to see how fast his car was. But if it maybe Adam Stevens being gone will give him like a, a new voice in his ear. could help him. But I don't know. I'm just not seeing that elite speed out of the 18 this year. Yeah, I mean, even running second yesterday behind Truex, he was like two and a half seconds back in the same exact car. Basically, he's in a Gibbs-powered car. Yeah. I mean, he just he doesn't have it. He doesn't have any of it. <laughs> the last uh, the last favorite or last big guy we're going to say is going to be Chase Elliott. There's a dramatic fall off after that in the odds. Chase is at 10-1. to 1. In nine starts at Richmond, he only has two top ten finishes. But luckily for him, they were a second and a fourth. So it shows the potential of like he has top five speed he really has found his groove of late in 2020 he looks like a top two car for sure at darlington he finished second daytona he won the daytona road course at uh dover he again looked like a top five car boards both races wasn't for issues or mm-hmm. had like the you know it wasn't for running into kyle bush he could have been in those top cars again yeah. so it definitely looks like they they're back to the groove they had mid-season yeah and it's good to see um See all these Fords and Toyotas out front. It's uh, it it, it kind of gets demoralizing. Like Ken Hendrick, because I mean, there's no other Chevy team that's gonna put up any sort of fight. So Hendrick yeah. is the sole representation. Kurt's the only guy, but he's Kurt's that guy where he might sneak a win in every one to two years, but mm-hmm. you don't expect him to run top three. Yeah, no, he needs like a lot of things to happen in front of him, and he needs to run a absolutely perfect race because he usually he'll usually kind of uh. He'll find his way up to the front off of either like cautions or like pitch strategy, and then he it's a drag race to the end. And Kurt wins are always electric. Oh yeah, I love Kurt wins. Oh, there was the Kentucky last year off the him and Kyle Busch off the turn. Yeah, there was a Bristol win a couple years ago. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's always electric, and I love I love Kurt Busch wins. He's another guy 
officially do for a win? Oh, that's official. Mark it down. Zach's, uh, the, the clock is ticking. They're going to win yeah, a race. Yes. So, B- Brad Keselowski and Kurt Busch both do. All right, well, I'll ask you a question here. This is not an official prop bet, but I almost think we should put it out somehow. What's going to happen first, a Kyle Busch win or either a Brad Keselowski or Kurt Busch win? Um, I would take the Brad Keselowski. Okay. It, not You don't even have to put Kurt Busch in there. I would just take Brad Keselowski <laughs> over <laughs> Kyle Busch. That's fair. Uh, then jump into a couple of sleepers. I'm going double rookies here, and they have not. Whoa. Act- yes, the first one, Christopher Bell, has not actually raced at uh, Richmond in a Cup car yet. But in the Xfinity, he's won three of the last four. Some would say that he is railed. When I say win, like being railed, he dominated those races. And you look at again those similar tracks. We go to New Hampshire. He was running top five at New Hampshire before he blew. Multiple tires, and I'm fading back. <laughs> As in more than one. <laughs> Plural. Uh, then my other sleeper was, uh, Bell was 55 to 1, if I was curious. I don't know if I would bet that, but that's just so you know where he was at. I mean, if you're a Bell guy, that's a group bet. Custer at 75 to 1 is the last guy. Again, not a long, long shot. These guys both could be definitely some uh, DraftKings fan duel lineups put in. Custer finished third and first in the last two Xfinity races here, so he's another guy... Uh, just like Bell, that's really done well in the lower series. And he finished top 10 at both Phoenix and New Hampshire earlier this year. Uh, so, again, those similar tracks, similar tire compound, has a history in lower series. He's run well of late where he's always in, like, 10th to 13th-ish range. So maybe just he maybe runs 8th now at a track he's a little more familiar with and tends to run faster at. Yeah, so it's going to be hard to top uh, my sleeper after Austin Dillon's performance last week. That was fantastic yep, on your part. Finishing second. Um, but I'm sticking with the Chevys oh, this wait, week. Oh, wait, dude. Side note, we're fucking railed right now. I called out Byron as a sleeper, and he won at Daytona. He yeah. called out Dillon's as a sleeper, got second place. Big-time credibility. We're out here. Yeah. We're, we're out. out here. We All know right. our shit. Yeah, so I'm sticking with the Chevys this week. Um, like I said, Kurt Busch is due for a win. He's led almost 100 laps in his last six races here. He, he also, uh, to add in a Kurt Busch here to help his case, there was a race, I believe it was 2016, but it was a little further back, but he literally led 200 laps, won the race, had like almost a perfect driver rating, like he owned it. So mm-hmm. it just helps the credibility. Kurt knows the track. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a good Kurt track. He's, uh, uh, let me get the FanDuel uh, salary here. He's 10900 in FanDuel, kind of high, mm-hmm. um, but that's – Shows that he knows what he's doing here. Where, where did you say he was starting at? Um, I can pull it up. I don't have his starting spot off the top of my head. But he, uh, I mean, his highest finish is fourth. But more importantly, his lowest finish is 18th to me. And I think that kind of shows, like, even on a bad day, he's still going to get you a top 20. And he's going to he's gonna show speed because outside of Hendrick, he's the only uh, Chevy that really has a chance. And he's starting eighth place. Kurt is one of those guys that we kind of – they don't get the notoriety for running top three a lot, but he will churn out – he'll make his car better. He'll churn out consistent finishes. He'll take a 15th-place car and finish 12th. Like you were saying, he's like the strategy or just being a veteran, he is that stable force you want to have on your team. Like he's a perfect like secondary driver. You might have, like, whether it's Stuart Haas, Harvick's number one guy or whomever, uh, insert like Gibbs driver. That's why I'm kind of sad we didn't get to see a full year of Kyle Larson and Kurt. So Kyle Larson can be the number one guy. Kind of like a Formula 1 is like there's a the top yeah, driver they the had second the, driver. they had that team set up very well at Ganassi. And I think just having that veteran presence, a guy who's competed for titles, won a title, knows how to, again, consistently 
have speed or have finishes when he doesn't have the speed you need. I think that'd been a great shoulder line for Larson, but it's it's just you see it now. Even now he's by himself, kind of kind of useless. But yeah. he's out there still churning out good finishes. We even saw it at Darlington. Like he looked like a top three car for half the race. Oh, I fully expect a top ten finish today uh, or on uh, Saturday night. My other sleeper is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Slick Rick, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, mainly in the FanDuel department, he's sixty five hundred um, and starting twenty third. And he runs well at Richmond. Like, he has a high finish of fourth, one top five. I mean, he's finished five of the last six races here in the top 20. I I just – I don't know what it is. As long as he remembers to use the brakes going into the turns, I think Slick Rick could have a good day. The only problem with Slick Rick that I have is the whole JTG has had a very big issue this season of whether it's him or Priest – like to finish dead last or around dead last. And it's not – yeah, it's mainly because they destroy their cars, and that's why they finish last. Um, Slick Rick is also not known for keeping care of his cars. But what Zach is saying, if he finishes the race, expect like a Dover where he finished 10th place, he may make you some money finishing above his qualifying position. Oh, I, I fully expect him to finish top 15 at least, which you're already in the positive points. Right. Um, and for 6,500 – just based on the guys around him, like Kenseth, uh, I mean, you mentioned Custer, uh, like Newman, Busher, Bubba, McDowell. Like, I think he's probably the best driver in that that group of like six thousand to seven thousand. Newman's one of those guys where he's had some really strong finishes, even as recently as last year in the sixth car at Richmond. I believe he's at two top tens there in his last three. But the one thing with Newman is. I haven't seen any speed this year, and I don't see any speed out of Roush. So yeah, I I feel like that's more of a Roush thing than a, uh, you, a Ryan Newman thing. You're gonna rely on Ryan Newman to tail on loan to finish, we'll say top fifteen. He, he may be able to do that, but it's gonna be the the cars are stacked against him. Yeah, I mean, I would avoid Richard Childress basically, but personally. Um, especially after an Austin Dillon second place, so he's gonna come crashing down to earth. Um, <laughs> I would avoid uh, Roush completely. Basically, anybody that's not in the playoffs except for like Eric Jones and Christopher Bell, um, a love, select love, love Bell. This a he's, select he's, few. Yeah. Um, basically, any playoff guy that you got or you can get is a good bet. In we, in, in Fanduel lineups, right. in Fanduel lineups. DraftKings leans more heavily on your point differential or your place differential, so finishing higher than you qualified. But with that, we are definitely looking forward to Richmond. It's going to be our second playoff race of this first round. Love these night races. Third of our five in a row night races, I believe. Hopefully, if a little more banging on a short track here, bumping and running. Banging on a short track. That's, yes. that's a great like uh, 1980s country music uh, album name. Banging, banging on, on a short, short track. track. Other than that. I, th- I think we're just pumped for it. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back next week with the paint scheme recap. Uh, if you want to listen to the Darlington one, because uh, we didn't go over that, that is in the episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Boom.